I mean, there is a lot of pressure on sales and certain reps will tend to say, okay, I'm just going to get this out. And I already talked to them about that. And they're focusing on that one specific conversation or that next action where a lot of times in sales, you have like hidden stakeholders and they don't get all of that information, anything visual, any recording. And so I think it's such a big opportunity and really a misalignment that you should be able to insert part of the brand throughout your sales process and do it very well that anybody that would come in at any time, halfway, maybe you're at signature, maybe at negotiation can experience your brand. And if you're just doing that through email or through summaries, you've really done your brand a disservice. Welcome to SAS Half Full. I'm Lindsay Grober, president of Blast Media, and I will be your host and bartender today on SAS Half Full. I had an awesome conversation with Tara Pollack. She is the head of global marketing at Get Accept, and she actually approached us to talk to us on SAS Half Full. Always appreciate that. Um, and we are talking today about how sales can help marketing when it comes to brand initiatives. Not two things that you often put together, but Tara is a big believer in how brand can drive demand. So if you care to, you can join me for a drink. I am having a Bud Light Seltzer here. So grab one and listen as I have a talk with Tara. Hey, Tara, welcome to Sass Half Full. Thanks, Lindsay. Glad to be here. I am glad you're here as well. And I was even really glad to hear that you're joining me for a drink. Sometimes people don't, but you ordered a party can. And I will tell you, I curate that cocktail list and I put the party cans on there and no one has ordered it until you. And I was feeling the party can. So I'm glad you did. What is it? Yes, I was a big surprise and delight. Uh, I've never actually been offered a cocktail sent to my home before a podcast. So I was like, this is amazing. So I picked the spicy margarita. Awesome. It's a big party can. It serves 12. That, oh, I don't think I realized that. <laughs> I poured one drink for this podcast <laughs> and that's it. It's three in the afternoon, but it's all good. It is an appropriate time. I will tell you, there are times where it's like Tuesday at 10 a.m. and I walk through the office, I, I grab a, a drink and walk through the office and I get some some stares and I remind people that this is all for the podcast. I am... Drinking something way less exciting. I am going Bud Light, seltzer, lemon lime, um, namely because it's the first thing that was in the office fridge when uh, I looked in it and we did have a new employee in the kitchen. She just started yesterday and saw me pull it out and I realized I didn't say anything and that'll be fun. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I love it. Sure. She's already hit slack and said, what is wrong with our president? She has a problem. I was excited, Tara, because you you reached out to us, which always love when that happens, offering uh, suggestions and lending us your brain for the next 30 minutes to be a guest on SAS Half Full. So appreciate you reaching out. You are the head of US marketing at Get Accept. And we, we went back and forth a little bit on topics and what would be most interesting for our SaaS marketing listeners. And the one that stuck out to me was surrounding how sales can play a part in brand building, 
which normally those two things aren't associated necessarily. A lot of talk about sales and marketing misalignment. So I love the fact that we're talking about alignment and how they can both play a role in that. But before we dive into our topic, I do want to give our listeners an understanding of who you are. So if you could give us a overview of how you got into B2B SaaS marketing and then what your role is with Get Accept and the quick elevator pitch of what Get Accept does. I have been in B2B marketing my whole career. So I like to say that I am the intentional marketer by trade. I have two marketing degrees because there's a lot out there of people stumbling in it. They didn't really know what they wanted to do. And I'm, I'm the the difference. I guess I'm the unicorn. I'll call myself that <laughs> for once. But I actually decided to get into content marketing, digital marketing, search engine marketing. And I did specialist roles for a long time before I became a marketing manager for a little startup in Connecticut. That's where I live. And that was uh, B2B tech actually in the association and nonprofit world. So I was lucky enough to start at a startup and wear many hats, all the hats and grow a department and team from the ground up. So starting with like 35 employees all the way up to in the thousands before I left. So I have done a many different functions, kind of seen it all, done it all, not everything, but you have to understand like the theory behind marketing. So that's my whole journey, I guess, in my whole career is in B2B marketing. An intentional marketer. Yes, we don't always have those on this show. Oftentimes it is, yes, fell into or unintentional. So always good to hear that you are passionate about what uh, or what you set out to do is your passion, which is awesome. And then uh, tell us about your current role at Get Accept and then uh, why Get Accept exists. So I am uh, head of global marketing. I started out about two years ago, just heading up the U.S. team, but now have expanded into the uh, EU region. So my role at GetAccept is to ensure we are driving demand through our growth markets through brands, uh, which is interesting to this conversation, of course, about brand building, but overall just understanding what strategic initiatives we can do from a marketing end, as well as all of our teams at GetAccept to really hit our revenue goals um, and the revenue number that marketing helps with today at GetAccept. I said that you were the head of U.S. marketing, and I understand now that that is underselling what it is that you do, global marketing. That's awesome. And then really quickly, what is GetAccept? GetAccept is a digital sales room platform. And what a digital sales room does is empowers revenue teams to really help have them identify what's happening in the sales cycle. So increasing win rates. And I think the difference here that we're really trying to help all revenue teams is engage and understand their buyers. And we come in right when a revenue persona, it's an AE or maybe even CS, has an opportunity and trying to progress that to getting that e-signature. And not only is Digital Sales Room your product and what you do, you all have pioneered the category and it is now Digital Sales Room is recognized as a category. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Yes. Yes. It's very exciting. It's been a long time coming if you understand the market and the buyer and seller experience. Indeed. Well, the other thing I just picked up on what you said are using these two words together, using brand to drive demand, which is like, what? Because <laughs> usually, are you a demand marketer? Are you a brand marketer? Which one are you? And 
you, dear, are combining those two and saying brand and demand work hand in hand, which I love so much. Bless me, we are a PR agency, so we wholeheartedly believe in the power of brand. So I want to start at the top and then we'll get more granular. How do you define brand? Let's start there and then we'll go in deeper. This is something that I started saying, I think, last year on a different speaking engagement, but at the very high level, kind of an inspirational way to describe brand for me is if a customer hears your brand, they smile. And so that's kind of more of a feeling and emotion as a marketer that that's what you would love to do, right? Is if anybody says get accept out in the world that they have a good feeling about it, that they, they smile, they have a good experience. So that's like super high level, right? Visionary mission. But really what it, what it does is help propel the individual to know that that brand stands for something and it stands for something that means a lot to them as an individual. So it's also people look at it from like the inside out from a company lens where I really love the shift in marketing today where people would be like, Oh, get accept. They helped me do X, Y, Z, not get accept does this, this and this. Yes. Cause all things considered equal, assuming features and benefits are relatively the same across software solutions. It's which brand makes you feel like they got your back, which brand makes you feel like they understand your problems and feel important because what you described is, is they smile is that's a good brand on the flip side. It is equally as simple. It's the face, right? If it's a bad brand experience and you say, Oh, what do you think about X? You get the face right away, right? You're like, oh, oh, why? What what happened? <laughs> Just, right? Not a good face. Thinking about the get accept structure, where does brand live and what line items fall under brand for you? We have a brand team today that lives in marketing. I will say that at Get Accept is very different than any other company I've worked for for many reasons, very great positive reasons. And I think one of it is that each and every employee actually feels responsible for our brand and they know that they are ambassadors of get accept on their own personal uh, side of the thing. So yes, there's a brand team that's owned by marketing, but we work in conjunction with every team and every single employee for them to really understand how they can help best represent get accept. And how do you communicate that? Yes, most people associate brand with marketing has to live somewhere, but you're talking about this overall, this brand experience from first touch point, whether that's sales or marketing all the way through to renewal. How do you communicate what that brand experience or brand differentiators are throughout the entire organization? I think it goes back to some of our core values that get accept. So we have one literally called think crazy differently. So that is everybody coming. It doesn't matter who you are to any meeting, to any project and throwing something out. And that's something that's really exciting and fun. And that's the reactions we get even from partners who are, you know, maybe they're not customer of ours. They're like, Hey, wow, we saw that you guys did this. This is super fun. This is different. This is cool. Like that's an extension of the brand. And we constantly have as a concrete example, workshops where we bring in a lot of different people into like a marketing project. So for example, we had a tagline project and a value project that took us honestly a very, very long time. And there's a lot of cooks, right, in the kitchen and there's a lot of opinions. And that, that's a really big thing for a company is like dissecting that, getting 
interviews and market knowledge. But one of the most important things is also talking to our customer facing teams and having them understand that yes, marketing can roll out this new tagline or this value prop or this messaging house. But if they don't believe it and they don't think it's accurate for their customers, it's just going to stop there. They're not going to use it. They're not going to talk about it. So always involving, I think, every single team that you can in different parts of projects. That's a true brand awareness kind of play is like super, super critical. And then updating throughout and then involving everybody at the end when it's that big of a project. I had uh, Carly Brantz on, who was the, is the head of marketing at Bamboo HR, and she was talking about, well, specifically employer brand, but t- even talking through ensuring that brand is carried through even in the product development teams, because if they're developing products, if you know if one of your brand differentiators is efficiency or whatever it is, and you're building clunky products or product that's really tough to implement, so even on the product side, it has to have the same brand experience. Uh, so carrying it through literally every level. So we, we talked about brand is usually associated with marketing. You can Google sales and marketing uh, misalignment and you'll get a gazillion, um, that is an official number, uh, results on that topic. It has talked about at length. So we are talking about an area of alignment, and area of opportunity, which is uh, aligning on brand building. So you believe that brand can be built together with sales. So unpack this for us. So I am very (laughs) well aware that marketing does not speak to customers and prospects all day. And I think that's where you should start from a marketing alignment with sales. So they are the voice. They are getting the insights. They're getting rejections. They're trying to move deals along, accelerate them. And, you know, marketers, we're out there talking to customers, but what percent are we talking to? We're trying to understand trends, market research, do A-B testing, do all the messaging. And so I think the alignment comes from that open, honest, transparent relationship that you need to build in saying that to sales. Because I've been in organizations where it's like, oh, marketing built all this nice, shiny collateral or this presentation. And it's like, oh, thanks. And you kind of get that (laughs) glazed over smile. And then you leave the room saying, okay, how many of them are going to implement it? Did it resonate? And there's a, there's a reason for that. If your sales team isn't using your content or your case studies or your proposals that you built, you need to dig in. That's where the first place I would start would be besides the obvious of goals of sharing alignment and goals. Cause that, I think that's kind of a baseline, but after that is really digging into the area that isn't working and where there should be alignment and why isn't there. Yeah, that creates a ton of frustration when marketing works their butt off time and resources and pulling in other teams to create these assets only to not be used. And one reason I believe that that exists too is the speed at which the assets are created. As you mentioned, the sales team is talking to customers every day. And it might've started with a great intention of marketing, listening to sales and saying, okay, these are the customer or prospect pain points. Great. We're going to, we're going to create something for you to help solve that problem. 
The issue is when by the time it gets through the actual copy being written, being approved, making the changes, then going to creative and making the tweaks, it's like, well, that was relevant 90 days ago, but it's we have a new competitor in the market or this primary competitor just announced a feature that matches ours and it's no longer relevant, but it is a, a constant point of frustration. So how can marketing do a better job of of providing value in a way that's more efficient and faster to match the really fast changing needs of the prospects and customers. I think you need to understand the priority level of what you're you're building and if there is a timeline and what what you can tie it back to. For example, you know, if you need to message a new part of your product or it's an expansion play, or a different solution you're offering? Does this bring in revenue? Is this something that your team is just like ad hoc selling today without any messaging and understanding like the core value and what really what you're trying to accomplish with it can be super helpful and getting buy-in at all levels because what an AE might want versus like the VP of sales versus like the CRO can be very, very different. So understanding from each vantage point of the different roles within sales, what you think could actually make an impact in the the realistic timeline that you can agree upon. Was it a one-off? Was it this great enterprise, you know, customer, but they come once a quarter? Is that worth marketing spending their time on? I don't know. You know, like that's a discussion that needs to just be open and transparent. Yeah. And on the, the flip side, bring up a good point on the frustration on, on the marketing side is being treated like a copy shop where it's like, you know, I want, ooh, ooh, can you create a poster that says this? Or, oh, I want this, you know, for this trade show. Or, hey, can you quick spin up a campaign that talk, you know, that talks about this messaging? And it's like, and just because we can doesn't mean we should. Like we also have this strategic plan and are try, trying to pull our resources to make sure that we execute and hit our numbers. But I know it's a constant source of frustration. It's like, ugh, you know, I mean, most people wouldn't walk into the CFO's office and, and be like, oh, you know what, if you could just pull this quick formula for me or it would be really interesting. I'm looking at how much, you know, this client versus this client or this bucket. I'd be like, Guys, no, I'm, I'm you know, busy doing other stuff. Um, so, you know, that's a constant source of frustration. What advice would you have for new marketing leaders? So not not new to being a marketing leader, but new in an organization. A, I would hope you would schedule a meeting with the head of sales. But uh, when you do, what should you ask? What should you do in that first meeting? It's funny because I'm, I'm doing this a little bit now with um, expanding into other markets in Europe that I'm not as educated on the nuances with that market. So I think the questions that you should ask are, some of the historic successes and where did those come from and really where the, the ARR or however you're measuring revenue is truly coming from and what they also expect out of marketing and what they value in marketing. So you can kind of forge that relationship and set a foundation of what you think you should be working on together and what you're not going to work on together if that makes sense. Because if you don't have that just like great relationship that you could say, Hey, I love that idea right now. We don't have the resources for it. Maybe that's a Q1 project. You have to get to that level with sales and they have to kind of say that same thing back to you as well. Hey, this is really happening. We're selling it anyways. We need assets from you or we love your go to market strategy or knowledge. And this is why that I think just the baseline of the 
and just some fun things as well. It's like, if you could do anything, what other resources would you get? What would you have marketing do? And start big too. Can you always make it fun? Got to be careful with the last one, but <laughs> it's all right. And we ask that always say here is we can't fix what we don't know. So you have to ask the questions if it's not someone who feels comfortable being proactive to say, you know, something's broken, but we can't fix if we don't know. So that is, it's important to ask the questions early on. So let's dive more into this brand discussion. How does sales help push brand through? I wouldn't say it's easy, but I would say we work super hard at that experience, making sure that what they experience us out in the market and communities on social media, as well as the website follows all the way through to the sales process itself. And one way that we're able to create alignment is not only are we helping develop sales enablement and assets and case studies and all things that happen during the sales cycle, we have the ability as marketers to see what they're using and what they're not using. And so we can actually have insight into, oh, wow, they use that case study in the digital sales room. They use that recording that we built them. We use that infographic or that webinar that we did. We can also see what we've uploaded into the content management asset library and what they don't use. So we actually have the ability to see how they are carrying our brand through. And so opening that lens, of course, understanding their messaging as well of like, if you use gong or chorus or anything like that to get insight. But for me, a lot of brand can be visual. And so until you have that insight of understanding what they're putting in front of prospects, once they we acquire a new customer, what are they getting then? Is it just an email with text talking about their customer success manager is going to reach out now? It's like, we can help with the entire customer lifecycle from a brand perspective. Is there examples that you can give of when you've seen significant misalignment on that the brand experience between sales and marketing? Yeah. So I think that there's a lot of pressure on, I mean, there is a lot of pressure on sales and certain reps will tend to say, okay, I'm just going to get this out. And I already talked to them about that. And they're focusing on that one specific conversation or that next action where a lot of times in sales, you have like hidden stakeholders, where if I'm going to send Lindsay an email, might be a recap of what we've talked about the last month, every single week. But what Lindsay's really doing is sending it to somebody else. And they don't get all of that information, anything visual, any recording. And so I think it's such a big opportunity and really a misalignment that you should be able to insert part of the brand throughout your sales process and do it very well that anybody that would come in at any time, halfway, maybe you're at signature, maybe at negotiation, can experience your brand. And if you're just doing that through email or through summaries, you've really done your brand a disservice because there's definitely more to that. <laughs> yeah, with those hidden stakeholders, I mean, we, we experience that too. I mean, most of our client contacts are going to be SVP of marketing or, or CMOs, but we are heavily involved with the CEOs as well. I mean, they're oftentimes primary spokespeople. Those are our hidden stakeholders oftentimes. And perception does matter. I mean, all things considered equal, if it is specifically in the sales process, the person that you spoke with that you think is your buyer might really like you. You've had all these conversations and you have the same sense of humor and it's like, yeah, yeah this is all good. And then to your point, if 
all three options are sent to the hidden stakeholder. They have none of that context. So they see, you know, polished brand, they see strong brand present, and then an email, you might be the best choice, but the way it's presented is really working towards a disadvantage for you. And all the things that you talked about, we've experienced as a company. I mean, we, when, you know, we were startup and now there's 65 of us, all of those things held true that you talked about in terms of people sending different things were formatted differently and there were different fonts and different colors and you just, it, it was the wild, wild west and it was all, uh, nothing was, was aligned and we experienced that and it took us even a long time to, to get into that right headspace of everything that we send out. A, you never know who's going to see it, but B needs to represent who we are. And that's even things just even down to the, the tone and how we're writing is we're not, I mean, we're not highly institutional um, and buttoned up. Like we have a certain personality that needs to be shown across everything that we do. So I, I can wholeheartedly relate to that. The constant battle between sales and marketing, age old discussion. I'm curious from your perspective, how you've seen that change post COVID. How would you define the relationship between sales and marketing now differently than you would have four years ago? That's a great question. I haven't thought of that yet. <laughs> no, I haven't been asked that. So from my vantage point, I think the relationship has been more open and transparent, especially with trying times or lowering budgets or especially resources being lessened or lightened up or let go. If the sales and marketing leaders are not on the same page by now, my opinion is they'll never get on the same page given what's happened in the last couple of years, but it's in a positive way. I think it's a very telling thing if you're, you know, looking for a new job or just starting a new job and you can't trust your counterpart or have an open conversation or work through things together, then it's just a red flag. So from my perspective, I, I do think the want of understanding the other, the other side, you know, the marketers trying to really understand their counterpart in sales and sales wanting to understand marketing as long as they have the same goal at the end of the day. If it's very clear, okay, this is where our revenue comes from. This is where marketing's number is. And this is where our sales number is. You have to do it together. Then it's much easier. And there is much more transparency that was based on necessity. I mean, gone were the steak and handshake dinners where Jen's entertaining a bunch of top clients and she closes a bunch of business. And it's like, we'll just do what Jen does. It's like, what the hell is Jen doing? We don't know what he's doing. She's doing like how this isn't repeatable. It's not repeatable or scalable. Was it the dessert? Was it the conversation? Was it like, what is she doing? Uh, it's not repeatable. Right. Or it's like, sell, you know, sell like Ryan, Ryan's just got it. Well, like what's it. And it, that stuff was taken away. And there was forced transparency by leveraging digital tools. And that seemingly is here to stay. Do you ever get a sense from sales, from sales teams wishing for like the good old days pre COVID? Or do you feel that like they've also embraced and are enjoying this transformation into really more of a digital role? My sense is they're enjoying it as a whole. There are outliers that I think certain individuals want to go back to 
the old way of selling. Um, and that could be a personal preference. That could just be some people don't like change. That could be industry specific. So there's all various reasons, I think, for those still really wanting that to kind of come back. My assumption is because you have you, you have such a strong foothold in brand and how it, it really drives everything and drives demand. My assumption is that you also have a CEO who believes in brand. Not everyone is so lucky. Uh, I hear this all the time, um, which is why there's so much turnover, um, specifically with the CMO role um, in SaaS, is that it's a it's a CEO who either A, says she gets marketing or B, doesn't believe in marketing necessarily. And I'm curious, what do you, what do you wish more CEOs understood about marketing? I would say that not everything is measurable. It, love it, love it. Yes. Our CEO is very invested in brand and marketing. And I think that can be rare. And I think ours is to the extreme when you have co-founders. So we have four co-founders and they were doing all these brand activities themselves when they started GetAccept. So they actually experienced it. They did not like outsource it or come up with like an agency. They literally sat there coming up with these ideas on their own. And I think more CEOs should do that, should be heavily invested, whether it's like a project or just one crazy idea or something like that, that they need to be on the, on the ground and the details in the weeds for something to say like, wow, this isn't easy and experience the power when it works. Cause otherwise looking in, you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. They did that campaign. Or what was the ROI? How many leads do we get? From oh my God. That took them five months to do. I never forget like an executive. We had this great, great campaign once and it literally took our team, I think four and a half months. And there was so many facets of it and it was so successful. And the response was amazing. Let's do this again next month. And I just felt so defeated. So I was like, wow, I did not do a good job of explaining <laughs> how we got here and how we got to this many leads and this many deals, because that is not, you can't do that every month. I would need a lot more resources. Well, and it cracks me up too, when it's like, what, you know, what's the end goal? More leads. It's like, well, then just take the budget and go buy, go buy leads. You can go buy leads. If, that, it's, if that's really what you're doing, go buy them. And it's like, that's really not what, what you're looking for. And I, I, I you know, wish that we would get to a place where every uh, CEO understood or founder understood that there is a good 25 to 30% of your marketing budget that you can attribute, no direct ROI. But if you stop it, everything else suffers. Like, just accept it. It, 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 that is what it is. That is how the game is played when it's played well. But specifically for early stage companies, that's a tough, right? Tough pill to swallow and understand that. But as you scale um, and become a larger company, brand is it's table stakes. Like you can't not invest in it because you'll get left behind. It is the difference between um, choosing company A over company B. Um, and I love what you said about it's what, what does your face look like when someone says rant? And it is oh so true, but very difficult to measure. Is there anything that we didn't tackle that you want to make sure that we cover here in our last few minutes? I would say as a marketing leader, 
ask for help more. I think there are a lot of us smart marketers out there fighting the battle alone and you should never be alone. So find the people inside the organization that are go-getters that want to be involved. I can always pick out sales reps and, you know, customer success leaders and employees that I know would just like give me 10 minutes of their day to like bounce ideas off of. And just forging those relationships can help you so much throughout the organization. And it doesn't have to be at the top. I think that's something else that leaders tend to go, okay, let me go ask the counterpart in this team in this division. But understanding more perspectives across the company can only help you because at the end of the day, you're doing this together to build your brand and have your customers really experience your brand. And so that includes everybody. Yeah. And go to bat for you too. When you have more than just the marketing org talking about the value of marketing, if you have your sales teams, you know, saying this piece of content or, you know, this asset was really helpful. Like we use marketing or rely on marketing a lot or you know, same things, you know, on the CX side, product marketing side, but uh, having those advocates go to bat and talk about the value that marketing's bringing. So it's not just us talking about ourselves and the value that we bring. It's, it's on others. Tara, this has been awesome. Uh, I end every episode the same way, which is asking our guests if they have a favorite or signature toast to send us out. I do not. But I always say, thank God I have children because I would work like 20 hours a day. (laughs) But to infuse more fun in your day and to be less focused on work all the time and avoid being a workaholic, to cheers to there's more to life than your nine to five. Wholeheartedly agree. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks again to Tara for joining me on SAS Half Full. Great insights. Hopefully you learned a thing or two, had a drink along the way. We always appreciate you listening. And until next time, bottoms up.